Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 336th episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that turned Dirty 30 long enough to know that you should have gone broco for oco. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering finance, collection management, and speculation. I'm your host, James Chilcott, a.k.a. at MTG Critic on Twitter. My co-host is Cliff Daigle, at Word of Commander on Twitter, and we're here to help you folks make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Hello, everybody. I'm glad to be here. I'm looking forward to sharing some valuable information with all of you. This show is produced by MTGPrice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Please sign up today at MTGPrice.com to plan your specs, chat on an amazing Discord, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool, nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5, that's the number 5, during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. It's not huge news or anything, but we do have some news tonight. We're welcoming ProTrader Discord moderator and longtime member uh, Derek the Dark Mage, otherwise known as Oko Assassin, master of our Magic Online Discord channel, and Oko Assassin on Twitter to the cast and moving forward at least for the foreseeable future Derek is going to be picking up for Cliff as Cliff gets a big promotion at work and gets a little too busy to be putting this aside on a Tuesday night Cliff it's uh, it's been a pleasure and I'm sure we will have you back shortly yes listen I'm a I'm a teacher and I'm happy to be the substitute around here I just I I can't hang with you youngins is what it is <laughs> and you're up all night you're you're always hustling, and my hustle has finite boundaries, and I simply cannot do it all. But Cliff still will be contributing his weekly articles and hanging out in the Discord, and I'm sure he'll be subbing in as we need him to here on the cast. And in the meantime, Derek, 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 Derek the Dark Mage, Oko Assassin, welcome to the cast. Thank you so much. Good to have, uh, good to be back in the cast. It's been a little while, but appreciate being here and looking forward to having a, a lot of good conversations about magic. Really looking forward to having your insights on the competitive scene as pertains to magic online, especially since you tend to be a little bit more on top of the meta than the rest of us. And uh, I'm sure that will do nothing but help the cast get a little bit better. So, uh, for one last evening, Cliff, what is our agenda this week? Well, we've got uh, four delightful segments. We're going to start off with the Magic Online metagame we can review. Uh, two challenges to go over, one modern, one pioneer, with some really fun stuff to do in there. Segment two has our top movers, both in paper and online. In our third part, we're going to go over our picks of the week, um, including one that you're going to have to tell me about because it's right up my alley and I, I need to know all about this. And finally, uh, we want to talk about the uh, M30 celebration, the 30th anniversary celebration in Vegas at the end of October, right? That's yeah, correct. the 28th to 30th. So uh, we're going to talk about what you can get for tickets, both online and in person. Uh, I figure you and I are all, all three of us going to talk about whether or not we go, and we'll see what's worth having there. All right, so let's kick things off with the MGGO Metagame Week in review. We will start with the Modern Challenge from this past Saturday, August the 7th. 
this one was taken down by two combo decks that used to be on the fringes and were largely considered meme decks and have now posted up results often enough to be taken much more seriously. In first place, we had the Glimpse of Tomorrow combo deck, which has a whole bunch of pieces that would be familiar to four and five color Omnath players. It's got Endurance, Fury, Omnath, Risen Reef, Shardless Agent, and Wave Sifter. And then we've got Glimpse of Tomorrow, Violent Outburst to Cascade into it, and a Chancellor of the Forge to get uh, some permanence on the battlefield in advance of your first glimpse. This one's been picking up steam, huh, Oko? Yeah, it has. Um, you know, it, it's always a little bit surprising to me because it's a little bit of a fragile deck. Um, so it's one of those that can spike a tournament here and there, but it is less consistent. And so you see, I, I would say, less consistent pilots um, using it on a week-by-week on -week basis. And then in second place, we've got the Indomitable Creativity combo build, which is four Fable of the Mirror Breaker, four Archon of Cruelty, and four Renin Six, as notable includes. It rests pretty heavily on the uh, card that it is named after, Indomitable Creativity, which is a non-reprinted rare out of Ether Revolt, which has spiked recently. We'll talk about that shortly. And then there's a bunch of control elements just to give them the space to get done what needs doing. Uh, four Lightning Bolt, three Prismari Command, and three Spell Pierce to help them bridge the gap into the mid-game and finish things up. This is so much fun looking. Like I, I understand Glimpse of Tomorrow is uh, uh, inconsistent and fragile as hell, and as long as you don't let them resolve one of these uh, Cascade spells, the deck uh, has a lot of trouble, but still looks like ridiculous fun, especially with these Risen Reefs. Like If you're going to get six Glimpse of, Glimpse of Tomorrow triggers, you're going to get two or three Elementals plus a Risen Reef trigger, and you're just ready to fire everything off again? This looks great. Plus, you know... The the free elementals all, are all over the place anyway, so this is just awesome. I'd love to play this deck. I don't want to buy it right now, but I would love to play it. Glimpse of Tomorrow retro foils from Modern Horizons 2 are still under a dollar. You got you got to wonder how long this lasts if the card keep if the card keeps putting up top eight results. Not very long. I mean, I I've, I've got a few dollars I could spend on these. It's the kind of thing where if you throw twelve dollars at it and you get sub sub $12 to get 12 copies, probably not going to be, might take you a year or two to get there, but you'll probably do just fine, even if it's just via buy list. Third place, we had Green Tron, no huge surprise there. Fourth place was a bit of a, uh, a bright spot in terms of innovation, because we haven't seen a lot of humans lately. Um, it's been doing a lot of work in Pioneer, but not as much in, in Modern. And yet here we have a five color humans list that has 46 humans, that seems a little odd to also have 28 land, which means we must be looking at a Yorion deck. So it's Yorion five color humans alongside four Ether Vial, one Pithing Needle, and one Shadow Spear. When, you th when you're thinking Ether Vial deck, you don't really think 80 cards since you kind of want to draw it every time. Uh, and then looking over at the lands, they've got four Urza Saga to try to shore that up and I guess also give them access to the Pithing Needle and Shadow Spear. What's your take on this one, Oka? Yeah, it's it's good. Um, you know, the Urza Saga plan I think is a good backup for humans. It gives it a little bit more resiliency, um, and it can search up. I and mean, as you can see here, the Shadow Spear giving it some uh, a little bit of play against Murktide and other aggressive decks. I do love the one inclusion of Turok, uh, which comes into play, and you can use the Kicker uh, to give um, to make your opponents discard. 
I'm trying to look at the land count if they can even produce two black. It looks like they can between reflecting poles uh, and meta confluence and silent clearing. But it's it's good. It's weird to see humans back again because they, they come and go and the iterations are always a little different. But there's those four Aether Vials again. But they also have four, again, se- four secluded courtyard and four unclaimed territory, as I'm sure Cliff was just about to point out. So mm-hmm. I, I don't yeah. think are having trouble with And Cavern. I don't think man- color is a problem at all as long as they're casting human. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even think of Turok as a human. It's interesting. So yeah. then we to finish this top eight off, we have Blue Red Murktide in fifth, seventh, and eighth. Probably the most consistent deck in the format right now. And Blue White Hammer Time, despite the Luris band still hanging out, making top eights here and there, in sixth place. Moving on over to the Pioneer Challenge. This is start, still looking like a pretty fun format. We got Bant Spirits featuring Collected Company times four in first place. Grease Fang Combo in second notably running four Parhelion and four Essica's Chariot. Then we've got Blue-White Control in third, sixth, and eighth, uh, almost universally running three copies of Teferi, Hero of Dominaria, and uh, the Wandering Emperor, although the eighth place list had the full four Wandering Emperor. So going back to the second place list with Grease Fang, it's running four Witherbloom Command, and right now... The foil extended arts on those are down to about $5. Um, and I note that one on Magic Online has been surging due to the increased competitive play. So that's one to definitely keep an eye on. It was underestimated Yeah, we, we mentioned on. that on, on cast last week as well, that this is a, a card that had seen very little play and, and might see a boost from that, that deck continuing to do well. We've also seen that the advent of the red-white and, and also a few other versions of Prowess decks, which are ultra-aggro, ultra trigger-driven decks, uh, and in this case, the Pioneer Challenge on the August uh, 8th, uh, they finished 5th and 7th, respectively. We like it, man. This is uh, another fun deck to play when you're uh, putting everything together on um, Heroics. Wait, no, we're, I'm sorry, you're talking about the uh, the Humans list. Yeah, No, no, this is the Red-White Prowess list. Oh, right. Where they... they you know, they've got favorite hoplite, so that heroic is triggering whenever they cast a spell. And Laguna Band Trailblazer <laughs> making top eights again, long after it's faded from standard alongside Monastery Swift Spear and uh, 10th District Legionnaire. It's like playing uh, Feather, but in Pioneer. Yep. All right, so moving on over to the top paper movers yeah. of the week. We've got Subtlety out of Modern Horizons 2, non-foil copies going 11 to 14. This is a card we've talked about on cast a few different times. Strong modern play lately, as opposed to where it was about six months ago, and uh, the card is on the move, foil borderless especially. Path to Exile, secret layer version from the Fibblefip, uh, where's Waldo-esque art. Uh, going from 8 to 11, that's only 40% gains, but I suspect that means this card is going to keep marching up up the hill and should probably end up $20 plus. Then out of another secret layer, we've got Eleven the Mage, the titular character uh, out of the Stranger Things series. Foils going from $9.50 to $14, and these have all long since been delivered, so movement on any of the key singles is thought to be pretty significant. There's some mixture of Stranger Things fans and EDH players wanting to fool around with it. 
um, with some intersection of that Venn diagram, I imagine. There's still some sub $10 copies lying around that people might want to snap off if they don't already own the set. And I suspect 11 probably ends up over 20 as well. I mean, there's one more season of Secret thi- of Secret Layers, of uh, Stranger Things to come. So, like, uh, I don't know how deep on these either of you two are. I've got 10, and I'm not bothering to list them yet, although the things were close to 90, and the most recent one sold at 83. But, like, if we can... I'm going to hold out for the last season and all the interest, and hopefully this doesn't come back to bite me in the butt. I'm happy to sell up that ramp. I've been selling the foil sealed sets uh, that were, I think, $50, if I'm not mistaken, when they first came out for 85 But now I've noticed that on both TCG Player and eBay, they seem to be edging up towards 95 or 100 So I'm going to start selling in the 95 zone, probably. And then if it's going to march up the curve, you know, a few 3 to $5 a month until that next season comes out, sounds good to me. I've got six or seven copies left to unload yeah that sealed price i looked at that the other day it's uh it's holding a premium for the sealed edition which is great i always crack my secret layers and and put them into tcg player direct and so i don't keep them sealed and this is one that actually is going to hurt me and so looking forward with street fighter for example one that has more collectability i'm actually going to keep that one sealed uh because i do think it'll hold a premium kind of like this secret like layer stranger things forward. yeah I, I think I'm, i i think i'm in the same boat on that i've got some street fighters coming my way as well and i'm pretty sure that'll be my plan um the way i look at it is if a secret layer fails but you know that it has uh you know a persistent petitioners chance or something in it then you can always crack it later and go hunting but in the interim, you may as well keep them sealed if you're not dumping them to direct. Now, another secret layer card on this list, Planes number 415. That's the Synthwave 80s uh, art. Foils going from 6 to $9. I don't know how much of that is natural demand versus speculation uh, from people noticing that the inventory is not particularly deep. Um, and there are t- so, so many special basic lands, including some very beautiful stained glass ones coming uh, just down the road with Dominaria United. And yet, there are still some standouts. Occasionally, some basic lands break through. The Secret Layer Godzilla lands uh, from a year or two ago stand out in my mind. And uh, I don't think it'll be be the last ones to climb the hill against all odds. Yeah, it looks like somebody bought just a ton of them a few days ago. And uh, it could be... It, it's one of two things. It's either uh, somebody trying to just buy up all the extra copies under a certain price or all it could take is one person deciding that they wanted to spend six dollars per basic land in their commander deck you know just there's no way of knowing and especially if the other ones aren't necessarily keeping track these are cool i mean there's no getting around it that they look neat but like you said we are not short of awesome basic lands yeah, I see what you're saying. On the, the sales list on TCG Player, you've got somebody buying four copies, and then four copies, somebody bought ten foils at just under $6. And as you said, hard, hard to tell whether that's somebody filling out a deck and they need 20 basics, or it's somebody who's speculating. Um, bottom line, the, the total number of listings is down to 35, and that's all qualities. And if we look at the foils near mint, 10 listings, and we've got one vendor with 50 copies at nine which forms a bit of a wall 
but they seem to be the just about the only ones that went deep on this particular drop because nobody else has more than nine. So these look like they're gonna they're gonna do just fine. Uh, we've got dual caster mage foils from Double Masters uh, one, not Double Masters twenty twenty two, going six to nine dollars. That's fifty percent gains. The EMA foils are also similarly draining out, you know, ten or twelve listings or something like that near mint. And there are judge foils under $20 that I suspect are going to be well over that given any amount of time just because it's so hard to restock a judge foil. It is worth noting that they all use the same art, so the judge foils are even less special than they can be otherwise. But Dual Caster Mage is in 46,000 decks on EDH Rec, which is quite a lot. And as a result, the, the fact that it, all the premium versions of this card have been in non-standard sets means that there aren't as many foil rares around as you might assume there would be. But just keep in mind that um, this is in three different uh, Commander Precons. It was in 2014, 2020, and 2021, plus the anthology. So, like, that skews the numbers a good bit. And it's good that it's in a bunch of decks, but... Um, this is something I know uh, Jason has posted about, like, it's really difficult to separate out the people who just dump everything from the uh, pre-cons into EDHREC and then start slowly tweaking. And so, like, when it's been in this many pre-cons, I'm hesitant about uh, putting too much faith in that number. All right, it's fair fair point to consider, but we wouldn't be seeing all forms of the foils draining out if people weren't buying them for decks. Also true. Uh, so we've got Hopeful Initiate out of Crimson Vow, 3 to 525, 75% gains. Hard to make money on that kind of thing, but you could have got these probably as low as 50 cents at one point because before these took off in Standard and then the Pioneer Humans build, these were basically getting played nowhere and had been completely forgotten. Uh, the foils are also up, and it looks like anybody who cracked Vow will get a, a little bit of a you know, 5 dollars $10, $15 worth of exit money uh, if they've got some of these sitting around. Yeah, this is a perfect example of how competitive play still matters. This is a card that is strictly based on the competitive play and the new new builds that it's seen in Pioneer. Uh, it's great to see it. Some you know regional uh, Pro Tour qualifiers are happening and people are buying decks and getting back out there. Um, you know, hopefully doing it safely. But uh, it's nice to see people and playing competitively four, again. Uh, looks like four and a half tickets on Magic Online, so plenty of play on there as well. Crescendo of War, a single printing card from the original Commander decks, which I believe means it's from 2013? 2011. 2011. And went from 7 to 13. I don't really know what's going on here. This, this is a very minor EDH play under a couple thousand decks. Scarcity in a single printing is all I've got. Yeah, it, it's not going to take much. This was printed you know, 11, 12 years ago in a single deck, and while those decks have a lot of cool cards... Um, it's a, also a really slow card, so um, it's this is purely supply. It didn't take many sales to make this move. Then we have Conspiracy, which I believe is it of Mercur uh, Mercadian Masks. The foil is going from 70 to 140, although I did see that there are still copies kicking around here and there in the 80 to $90 range, so I don't know how seriously you can take that plateau yet. That said, this is the original printing of the card. It's 20 years old. Uh, and if you're looking for a copy for your decks, it's probably worth pointing out that there are $3 foils from the Mystery Booster Edition still sitting around. So unless you're really excited to own the original, 
really no reason to stretch for that particular copy. Yeah, people want to pay uh, extra for... Mercadian has the old frame still, right? Yes. Yeah, so you, you're getting the old frame, but like you said, you know, however much that's worth to you, that's what people will pay. Then we've got Indomitable Creativity, uh, mentioned earlier as the second place deck out of the Modern Challenge on the weekend, out of Other Revolt, going from 9 to 18. Uh, I have a feeling these were under a dollar as well, not so long ago. And they have crept up as this deck has made its way into Modern and started to post up results. But anybody who opened Other Revolt at the time will certainly be happy to get a crisp $20 bill for these formal, former bulk rares. Let's see. It was available for about two years ago under a buck, but it has been it was a dollar for most of 2020, around two bucks around the end of 2021, and then it started just creeping upward as this combo went off because it's gotten no reprintings and it was a mythic. There was a pro trader that mentioned today in the Discord that they thought they were hoping it would get reprinted in brother's war or something but i think that's actually relatively unlikely uh, this looks like the kind of card that they will leave alone for a while could see it show up in something like pioneer masters um if that uh, we could see it in somebody's commander deck too in one of the those decks coming but yeah as it gets more expensive it gets that less that much less likely and i think it's i think we're two or three weeks out from the big reveal from wizards where they're going to do the stream where they're going to show us all the sets for the next year and once we understand whether it's a Pioneer Master style set next summer or something else, we'll have a, a better sense of what the reprint risks look like on cards like this. It's also the kind of thing they could show up in a secret layer, but I mean, we say that about everything. The, the beauty of a card like this is when it breaks out so suddenly and unexpectedly, I mean, how, how could this really be on the radar for Wizards to reprint on absent just trying yeah. to throw in a bulk rare? So you, you have some time, I would imagine, on absent just... And now it's tricky for them because once a card is $20, they can't throw it into a Commander Precon easily. So, unless that's already in the pipeline, which, boy, that would be... <laughs> that would now start looking like a deck you would want to be purchasing multiple copies of if it had anything else good in it. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be shocking because it was, you know, $5 around uh, June of last year, and it was $5 until, you know, just a few weeks ago, so... Uh, it would have been a good inclusion in a deck if they were thinking about that, but I don't know how, like you said, there's a long-term thing. I don't know how flexible they want to be on that. It is a little a little tricky because the deck's theme needs to be, if we're talking about a pre-con here, it needs to be something about random, irrelevant, small permanents sitting around and you being able to convert them into something better, right? So it's not like it's not like a lightning bolt. You can't just throw it in anywhere. Yeah. Well, and I don't know if it was talked about last week, but there's a new build of this, at least relatively new, uh, in Pioneer as well, that's searching up worm, worm, World right. Spine Worm. Uh, and, and, you know, that's just another example. I mean, you're getting hit both in the modern side and the Pioneer side, so even if one doesn't pan out, the other might, might pick up yep. the slack. Uh, and then we've got Brave the Elements, the Magic Player Rewards version going 4 to 16. I have to figure that's people going after this car that version of the card as a Pioneer Humans spec. Yeah, it's a, a good card, and this is the sweetest version you can get, right? We don't have any... Like, you can get foils from uh, Magic 2014 or even Zendikar for pretty cheap, but, you know, the old-school full-text cards... 
Once in a while, they become relevant, and when they do, they look hot. This is an annoying card to um, have in textless, though, because it's white creatures you control gain protection from the chosen color until end of turn. So you got to know exactly what that stuff says. Yeah, it's not a card you're going to see in five-color humans in modern because of the white creatures only clause, but that mono-white creature list in Pioneer is running the full four. Uh, finishing up this list, we've got Phyrexian Tribute out of Mirage. It's a reserve list card. Went from 3 to 18. you got to figure that's some random reserve list targeting. I don't see anything about that card that uh, makes it suddenly hot in EDH. I was doing the same. I'm curious if it has anything to do with Popper. I'm looking at right now. Alrighty, so we can move on over to the top Magic Online movers of the week. We've got Subtlety again on this list, the borderless version, which is a promo on Magic Online. Does that come out of Treasure Chest, Soka? Uh, yeah, that's uh, only through the Treasure Chest, and they drop they increase the drop rate for a lot of the borderless uh, Modern Horizons 2 cards in response to the really justified outrage over the price last summer when everything was profoundly expensive. So these are still... Fairly uh, heavy drop rate, but I expect there's upcoming updates um, in a couple weeks here and another one in the fall, and at some point these are going to get taken out and, and have the possibility to become very yeah, premium. Yeah, I mean, even now, they've gone from 13 tickets to 19 tickets this week, so 46% gains on the back of that heavy modern play. And then there was this really interesting deck called Epic Gamble that took down a Legacy League recently, and they run three copies of Overmaster at a Torment, and they run a full suite of Grim Monoliths. And so Monolith promo version went from 5 to 7.6 tickets, 50% gains, and the Overmasters went from 4 to 6.38 ticks, 60% gains there. Uh, if you want to look at that list, you can take a look over on Goldfish uh, and look up Overmaster, for instance, and you'll track it down. Uh, finishing up the Magic Online movers, we've got Indomitable Creativity on this list as well. 2.73 ticks to 6.2 on the back of that Modern and Pioneer play. 127% gains. Did you uh, snag that as it was passing by on screen, Oko, or were you busy? So I snagged it at about half a tick and sold it at about two and a half ticks a while ago, thinking the deck wasn't real. So should have held, but uh, you know you win hard, some. Hard to be some. complaining about four times return uh, in in a reasonable, reasonably short period. But yeah, looking it's looking like it might crest ten tickets at this point, huh? Yeah, this I mean these are a type of cards where it's it's old and it's mythic, right? If you have both of those two combined, which it's hard to remember that Aether Revolt is old now, but it, it's getting there. Um, you know, the, uh, the sky's the limit. If this thing continues to do well, uh, copies will slowly drain. One of the major vendors on Magic Online has about 28 copies. And so, you know, Speculator comes in and picks up half of those. And then you have a little bit of real demand on top of that. And the the, uh, tra the rental companies are really in uh, a price insensitive. And so they'll come in and buy copies if they need them no matter what the price. So if it hits 10 ticks or 12 ticks, they don't really care. They keep buying, which can push it up even to 20 ticks if you know it's really spiking a number of I'm times. glad you pointed out it's Mythic as well, because I think I said it was rare earlier, but Mythic obviously uh, is going to support... A single printing Mythic from five plus years ago is going to support a $20 price tag a lot easier. Uh, yeah, it's, what surprised me is it's sorcery. You know, I, I always... I'm surprised when something that combos at sorcery speed can do so well, but it's it's only working. Four foil copies in paper left on TCG Player. One at nineteen dollars twenty-five, thirty-four, and forty. 
Uh, so certainly people picking them up to play for reals. On over to cards to watch. I've got some spicy picks from around the globe tonight. How about we start off with Ancient Copper Dragon Japanese Showcase. You can get these over at Harayuya for the equivalent of about $26 US right now. And the English Showcase version of this card is currently at $56 on TCG Player. 32 listings left, no major walls, and it looks very much like it is going to slowly creep up into the $60 to $70 range over the next six months or so. Foreign cards. I I love that you do well on them. I've tried my hand on them in the past. Uh, I'm a TCG uh, vendor specifically, and so for me, I look at these uh, foreign printings, and uh, you know, I, I I'm jealous because there's so much potential there. You know, this is something that I think you can easily flip. You can make a great profit on. Uh, but you know, for me, it's one of those where you you know your lane, um, and so I, you know personally, I'd be one that would pass on this. But I think somebody else is going to make the profits because of it. And that's because TCG Player, as we've noted multiple times on Cast, is basically hides foreign cards by burying them in a filter menu, and does nothing to showcase them. You know, they could be running a weekly article talking about cool versions of cards and moving some of that inventory, but they just don't seem to want to make it a priority at one point they were messing around with their user interface and it resulted in the foreign cards being much more visible for i think it was like a week or something and almost at like across the board pro traders that were tcg player vendors were saying their foreign cards were flying off the shelf at a un uh unusual pace and over on eBay, I have no problem whatsoever moving Japanese cards. It happens all the time. You don't want to be doing it with obscure cards. You definitely want to be doing it with high in-demand cards. But for instance, Old Gnawbone has made me a ton of money picking them up cheap in Japan since last summer. And I suspect that these Ancient Copper Dragon showcases, they're so, so cheap compared to the English price. Like if something is $2 below the English price, don't bother importing it from Japan. But if it, like there's not, you're not, you can't count on a premium in a lot of cases with, with a good foreign card. But if it's too cheap, you can kind of benchmark yourself a dollar or two plus or minus the English price. And then when the card really starts to dry up, if you have foil versions of the fanciest uh, treatment of the card in Japanese, you can often get a premium. So for instance, I sold four times Dryad of the Elysian Grove foil extended arts the other day for uh 260 over 120 or something on a 18 month hold which is totally totally acceptable uh ancient copper dragon is the third most popular commander legends battle for Baldur gate card overall on edh rec and we're down to a, such a low number of listings with people hating to crack this set i think that you know if you're picking up at 26 and you go for a quick exit in between 35 and 45 you're not gonna have trouble with that at all and if you stretch for the, the 55, that is kind of the low watermark for near mint English copies, you're going to be walking away with anywhere from 75 to 100, 100% plus gains. So looks pretty good to me. The, the reason I called out Showcase as opposed to regular copies, for instance, which are both available about the same price in Japan, is that the regular copies have 57 listings on TCG Player, whereas the Showcase have only 32. 
Um, now, you would also want to supplement that analysis by also looking at how frequently copies sell of the two. But as long as they sell at a relatively the same pace, I'd rather have the one with lower supply. Uh, my first pick this week is Lion Sash. Uh, I'm going with uh, foil extended arts that are available all over TCG Player for around three bucks. Uh, this is actually the number nine most popular card for Commander from uh, Neon Dynasty. It's in 17,000 decks since the card came out. You see a couple of copies here and there and the sideboards for Modern and Pioneer, but really I'm looking at a card that's really popular it does a lot of good graveyard interactions. It uh, survives a board wipe if it's attached to a creature. It does a lot of really good things, and it's available in its most premium version for a really cheap cost. So I, I would be in for a few of these copies. I'm looking for them to go from about 3 to hit about 7 in the next 12 to 18 months or so. All right, so we got 75 listings on TCG Player. No major walls. This one looks to me like it's going to be like a thieving skydiver. It's going to languish in the three to five dollar range for a good year, two years, and then slowly start creeping up to ten bucks. So I think I would be in the same way that foreign cards are more exciting for eBay vendors. I would be more excited by these if I was selling direct and thought I could get a direct premium once uh, the lower price direct copies dried up. I know thieving skydiver hurts you, but you you need to like move on from that trauma, buddy. <laughs> I if you think I'm I'm in any way upset about thieving skydiver, you definitely got me backwards. <laughs> I've done nothing but buy more of those as time has gone on. And happily, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Happily, so you every keep time. Keep going back. Happily, so every time because the card is in fact quite good, um, and was called out on Command Zone not so long ago uh, as being exactly that. So, but. That doesn't change the fact that it's a slow burn. Like it's at sixty-six listings. There are three-dollar copies. The you know, and I I think Lion Sash is probably going to be. I'm very surprised similar. on Lion Sash. There's only three reasonable vendors with four or more copies, uh, and the highest wall being seven copies. So unlike a lot of them, when you see sixty, seventy vendors that have huge walls, this one doesn't have a lot of walls. Just a lot of onesie, twosie copies in the market, which I think. I hate buying onesie twosies. And plenty of Neon Dynasty CBs got open, so it's not like the singles don't exist. Yeah, they're just sitting in decks, I think. But we'll uh, we'll see how it goes when things come around. Uh, tell me about this other one, because I need a couple of these. So Lightning Greaves, I was looking at a few different versions of this. This is a major, major card. It's in 400,000 decks on EDH track. <laughs> now, of course, that number is inflated by being included uh, a bunch of times in pre-cons. But it goes without saying that decks that need their commander in play, they want their commander to stick, um, are going to want it to have haste and or uh, shroud, which is what this, this card provides. And despite it being such a major, major uh, S-tier staple in commander, it's only really ever had three premium versions. There's a secret layer version, which is cool. There is a... Foil Borderless. Foil Borderless from Double Masters was the the phrase I was right. looking for. And that languished for a while and then started to accelerate. And there is this Masterpiece version, which is clearly the best version. Um, as is true of many of the cards that were printed in this Masterpiece uh, Invention series from Kaladesh. There's just 11 listings of this card left uh, as a Masterpiece version. 
uh, starting at 205 or so, quickly climbing up into the 215, 240, and then beyond. And I suspect that they're going to give us more premium versions of this card. You know, it could happen once every year, maybe once every two or three years. Hard to say until it actually lands, but we just got past Double Masters, and it wasn't in Double Masters 2022, mind you, and it wasn't in there because they had it in Double Masters the first time. And it wasn't in Commander Legends uh, Battle for Baldur's Gate. And so there isn't anywhere really obvious for this to show up anytime soon in a premium version. It could be if there was, uh, if the Brothers War doesn't include reserve list cards, but rather includes, you know, blueprint box toppers or something, uh, like the style uh, that was handed out with Secret Layers last year, this would be a pretty good fit there. Cause they, but they already gave us a Swiftfoot Boots in that style. Um, so maybe not. Bottom line, you don't need to worry about what's happening in the future because this is an arbitrage play. You can pick these up with how close the US dollar has gotten to the euro. You can get these on card market in Europe at 140 and flip them in the US closer to 200. Kind of seems like a no-brainer. I mean, it really does. I've, I've got a couple of decks that have Lightning Greaves in it, and I think I've got uh, one Masterpiece and I think two of the double masters foils and i need to get another couple of the super sweet ones so uh i need to hit up my card market connections for that that's that's pretty amazing i see it as as being kind of a two likely scenarios one is you bring it over pretty quickly and flip it at say 180 to 190 pocket 20 or 30 dollars and you're good the other is you bring it over and it doesn't sell right away or you choose not to sell it right away and you wait until these these lightning grieve these mps copies on tcg players start to work their way up the curve selling slow and steady but faster than the replenishment rate and keep in mind there still isn't a a really wide uh set of uh major magic tournaments where uh, big vendors can be uh buy listing and so that that replenishment flow is not what it once was especially on these premium cards that tend to disappear into edh decks and never come back so this could end up being a blue chip value play where you get in at the 140, you don't sell at 200, you sell at 250 or 300 down the road and get a double up. Yeah, I got to admit, if, I, if, if I'm buying them, I'm, I'm buying them for personal use. They're going in a deck and maybe they'll come out at some future time when I'm, I'm selling the whole thing off. It's just so awesome. There's, I don't think there's a frame I like better than the masterpieces. So just like, yeah, if I can get it for... Um, you know, 30% off by going to Europe, I, I want to be all over that. And the ability to flip it for easy money is also there. Uh, do you have it brought up on any of the buy lists right now? Uh, buy list on that is pretty strong as well. I think we're looking at Card Kingdom. The Usually you do, yeah. 150 cash or 195 credit, so... If you're picking them up at 140, you have basically zero risk. Yeah, yep. Yeah. I'm I'm all there for you. That that's a great pick. I'm I'm glad you can highlight that for all of our listeners. Uh, the other thing is Oka that might interest you. I don't see any direct sellers with the card in stock. So usually when that's the case, it's actually because TCG is out of stock. Um, so it's less that there's no vendors, but it means TCG player direct has to refill on their end. So good for the, the non-direct folks. And then once the direct pops up, oftentimes that'll make it sell really quickly, uh, because, um, if there's only one copy, 
pops up a bunch of people haven't updated their pricing and so it, it immediately sells because they haven't adjusted to the new market price so it is it, it's a good signal though um, when tcg players out that means it's selling i think we have the same question well tcg where does tcg player get inventory if not from the direct seller like you that buys it in europe and sends it in that's exactly what I was going to ask. Yeah. yeah, so short term, it could be just that somebody sold it and they're waiting for the restock. Um, but occasionally, say somebody sells a near mint copy, the restock comes in, but it's graded light play. And all of a sudden they have a hole, um, which, you know, if they only have one or two typically in stock for a masterpiece. That's a problem. So they I believe they buy on their own buy list. Um, that's that's part of it, I believe. Gotcha. Um, and, and, you know, they can also just buy off the market, too. But I, I, I do believe that they buy off their buy list, although I don't have anything to support that. OK, uh, Cliff, what's your next selection this week? My other pick this week is out of the Mystic Archive. Uh, I like natural orders that were um, put in there in Japanese alternate art. It's sweet art. It's got 24,000 decks on EDH rec. It's a combo card in Cube and in Legacy. Uh, the Judge Foil is $90, and that's really going to be like the, the ceiling for something like this. But right now you can get foil of the Japanese alternate art for $25. And uh, I think that's going to go to 50 pretty easily, especially when you look at how many are available. There's just not that many copies available at Near Mint Foil. There's only 31 vendors, and nobody's got a, a wall. There's three people who have four of them. So all it's going to take is a little bit of drain on the supply, and uh, your copies have gone through the roof. And it's a pretty quick double up once that happens. I mean, you've got 25 to 50 here, but you could probably get away with 20 to 40 since the first four or five copies that are lying around in North America are, are below that level. Um, I'm always hesitant to put in, like, the people who have, like, two uh, feedback. And, like, I'd feel bad if somebody ran to buy the card because we recommended it. And there's like, somebody with no feedback and... They got some kind of scam going on. I mean, for I know that's unlikely. There, there's one with three sales here, but there's also like Toy Wiz right below them at 21 uh, with 5,000 plus sales. All right, we'll put down 20 to 40. Uh, it's a, you're right. It's a good cube legacy card. Uh, 24,000 DAX and EDH rack. And really, it should probably be higher because the, the card is silly. It's. A, yeah. a tutor that casts the creature for two extra mana. <laughs> so in green creature decks, this is arguably better than demonic tutor, um, since it just puts the thing into play. Just kerbloom. Yeah, it does many many nasty things, and I mean probably the the worst thing you can say about it is it's too good in a lot of situations, and and might you know draw scorn or heat from your play group depending on their their level of play. Um, but I do agree that the art, the Japanese alternate art, is excellent art. Uh, it's a relevant touch point that the Judge Foil is, you know, closing in on $100. And this has got a little ways to go, and I don't see anything specific that is driving a trend line on it, per se. So it's going to be a slow, steady drain up the up to that $40 plateau, and I don't know if that's going to take 6 months, 12 months, or 24 months. Fair. It's also a really strong candidate. It's right there at the price range they like to do for uh, secret layers. I would not be shocked if this was the expensive card in some secret layer in the next 6 to 12 months either. Yep, also possible. Uh, 
Finishing up, I've got a, a judge foil. How about training grounds? And I feel like I've had a conversation with a pro trader about this, not in the distant past. So if somebody recommended this and demands that it is their pick rather than mine, feel free. It was already on my radar. But uh, if you sent me a note on it in the last couple of weeks, I will certainly credit you on the next cast. Uh, nevertheless, it is down to nine listings. I think more copies are to be distributed later this year, um, but the judge foils don't seem to be coming as hot and heavy as they used to. And part of it's the new system, part of it's changes they made to that system last year, and I'm sure the difficulties gathering together uh, for judge conferences is playing a role, and the aforementioned uh, lessened buy list activity is probably also factoring in. Nine listings of this card, get them just under 50 bucks, and I don't see how this doesn't go 50 to 70 given any amount of time. It's not a Lightning Greaves level card for EDH, but it is in 13,000 decks, and in the decks where it's relevant, it's an auto-include. I mean, it basically is included where your commander cares about reducing the cost on some really cool ability they have, like a Thrasios where getting his four four mana uh, ability down to two is just silly. And it's got really cool art, and some of the better art on any of the Judge Foils lately, and relatively low supply, so I think you could probably nibble on them now, see if more of them show up in the market three to six months from now, and nibble again, and see where it goes. This has had really good velocity, too. It's been moving like one or two copies a day, for uh, all of August and a good most of July as well, like people have wanted this foil, so uh, I'm I'm with you on this. This is a, a good pickup, and if it gets reprinted, you're not going to worry too much because you've got the Judge Foil Premium version going on. You you're pretty insulated from that. So yeah, uh, this is a great pickup, and I got to go check and see if I need any of these too. The one counterpoint I would make about this is that I was snapping off Judge Foil Smothering Tithes in Europe last week at $55 a piece. So if you need to choose between a Smothering Tithe and a Training Grounds within $10 of each other, you're probably supposed to go for the Smothering Tithe. If you're thinking about it purely as a financial play. I, I can see that. Yeah, you know, Smothering Tithe is, is much more widely played and will probably get you faster returns in a shorter time. You on board with that, Ogo? Yeah, the training grounds, the only competition in the foil slot is the original printing, which obviously isn't even really competition. And if you look at CK buy list, it's already at $39, um, so pretty close to coverage, and they're asking for 12 For a judge foil, that's, that's pretty solid. So seems like it's all the right trajectory, and even I think the basic version's over 20 So you have a pretty good backstop to keep these um, at least level, if not obviously getting gains in pretty short order. Yeah, and the card's only ever been printed the three times. First in Rise of Eldrazi, those original foils, as you said, are, are out of reach for most people, starting at $70, which is four listings on TCG Player. And then the only other place it was printed was in the list, uh, accompanying, uh, I can't remember which booster packs it started in and whether it's finished, but those go for $27 non-foil. And so I think the Judge Foil is well positioned. Yep, I agree. Alrighty, so let's go on to our weekly topic. It is the 30th anniversary of Magic the Gathering uh, coming up. I guess it's 
August of next year. Officially, I believe that is correct. I believe it was uh, August of 94. Uh, no, August. Uh, no, I think it was summer 93, right? 93, 93, yes. Because I'm pretty sure I was buying revised packs when I got the first year university in September of 94. Uh, and so for the 25th anniversary, they put out M25, which was not beloved. They put out, for the 20th anniversary, they put out FTV 20, which was also uh, not people's favorite. <laughs> so they've messed this up a few times already. And for M30, we were all kind of holding our breath to see if they would finally learn their lesson. But it looks like this big event they've got uh, scheduled for Vegas is a bit of a mixed bag. They have a very strong commander focus going on based on the information that they they revealed. And there's a bunch of different packages that you can purchase. It starts with something called the Emerald Package, which gets you a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday badge and a lanyard. Event promo card uh, is a Arcane Signet foil etched. There's a Richard Garfield PhD promo card, which is a reprint from Un... Un unglued Un- uh no unhinged unhinged Un- was the no i think unglued i think unglued was the first one right i'm pretty sure the first one was unhinged but let's look real quick uh richard garfield phd unhinged you had it right so you get that then you get one mystery booster and one dominaria united collector booster so you get to show up for a day you get about I'm guessing twenty or twenty-five dollars worth of product for sixty bucks. Eh, seems reasonable. There's a kid's emerald pass for twenty bucks, which is the uh, most of the same stuff minus the mystery booster and the Dominaria United Collector booster. They just give them a two-player starter deck. It's kind of cheap. Probably not going to be that many kids in Vegas in o- late October during monkeypox, guys. Maybe you could have kicked the kids some bonuses. <laughs> Remember that it's you know Halloween weekend too, yeah, so the. Is um point of clarification here, it says Mystery Booster in capital letters. That is probably literally the mystery, right? It, it, but usually it would say like convention edition or retail edition. I, I think it's convention edition because they have tons of that sitting around from having expected to hand it out at GPs and never having done so. Right, that would make sense be- because uh, Saffron Olive tweeted out earlier that the, the non-attendee package which is i believe it's like 280 dollars, includes a actual booster box of convention edition which almost covers the fee by itself so it makes sense to have the same product here exactly so we may as well go over the non-attendee edition since it's going to be the most relevant to the majority of listeners and actually seems like the best deal as well that non-attendee edition has uh, access to the richard garfield card to the foil Escher cane signet you get um, that box of Mystery Booster Collector Edition, which is worth what about two hundred and fifty by itself. Yeah, right around there. And I'm looking at the Arcane Signet. It's a regular frame, but it's new art, and I think it's going to look real good in foil etched. That is the one item here that jumps out at me as being the most likely spec. If you were just to go ahead and load up on something. The fact that it's only available at this one event weekend and to the people that buy the online uh, versions, like the the virtual 
convention edition leads me to believe that that arcane segment's going to be worth some money down the road. That's a reasonable thought. Now the so it's a an 001 of 001 and it says festival on it. Um, the Richard Garfield says Magic Thirty on it. The Soul Ring appears to be the the exact same Soul Ring they've been giving out at stuff yeah. forever. Since they had, like it still says 2019 on the, yeah, the art that they're showing yeah, us. Yeah, it's the CFB uh, Command Fest Soul Ring um, that there are bajillions of. So the rest of this festival in a box is 30 virtual tickets for Magic Online. Magic 30 virtual tickets. What's your interpretation of that, Oko? So I believe there's a, a virtual store that is separate from Magic Online. They should have used a different terminology. Uh, but I believe you might be able to redeem uh, because somebody was passing around a link that was user denied earlier. But it made me think might be kind of like a showcase where you go you know, to a booth at, on site, except maybe you order something online. I, I think that might be what it is, but it's unclear at this point. Interesting. So that needs to be resolved. But you do get that convention edition booster box, the promo cards that we talked about. You get two commander precons, buckle up and upgrades unleashed from Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. Those aren't the best precons, but those are free money here. And then a Guardians of New Banalia playmat that they revealed with the Magic the Gathering 30th anniversary logo and the Dominaria United stained glass deck box with the Magic uh, 30th anniversary logo. And that a set of 100 Lil Geary card sleeves with Magic the Gathering's 30th anniversary logo, which is related to the secret layer that you get, uh, the foil secret layer that is exclusive to the event, which unfortunately doesn't have good cards. <laughs> like, it's got one, like kind of expensive card and then a lot of why do a 30th anniversary edition and just have such a mediocre card blend this is last chance which is like a final fortune uh twist vandal blast okay solid edh staple um curiosity greed utterly unplayed at this point curiosity is very very niche and then peak look at target player's hand draw a card like who is the market for peak a better question is, why is this sushi character the headliner for 30 years of magic? Like, if you're looking to draw people in with the nostalgia, sushi character is is not doing it for me. You know what would have been really sweet just off the top of my head? Do a, Pick a bunch of cards that represent pranks and show planeswalkers playing pranks on each other. Like Chandra lighting, lighting Jace's ass on fire with lightning bolt and whatever. You can you can do almost anything. You can take any character that has been in magic for a long time. You can have the history of Ugin in this. You can do like five different planeswalkers. There is no limit to what you could do and just randomly like I don't know who this little Geary character is. I've seen, you know, sushi face characters around, but like since when is this the crossover for magic? I just it makes very little sense to me as well. Yep. Now, that being said, you're getting it thrown in to this festival in a box at 270, where you're basically just getting the you're buying a you're basically buying a mystery booster convention edition booster box. And then you're getting a bunch of stuff for free. Yes. So I think like are we all agreed we're gonna buy a festival in a box? Uh no. 
I'm not gonna. Okay. Are you gonna buy Winoka? I will. i and I'm pretty disciplined about holding sealed. Uh, so having a convention edition laying around, either to draft with my friends or uh, to hold for a few years. At some point, they're gonna run out of stock, and you know this is something that should appreciate in value, even though it is a niche product. Well, remember, this is the one that has the um, the the playtest cards that got super expensive for a while. There, yep. they've been they've been sitting on. A whole bunch of these mystery boosters for a long time for what uh, a little over two years now because i remember drafting mystery like 11 times in one weekend at uh magic fest reno because i could just run over sell the cards and do it all again and keep all the playtest stuff which i ended up selling for a bunch yeah so like this is the second edition though so mystery boosters convention oh, edition yeah they they pre-printed them um I, I assume this is the new edition uh you know obviously we'll have to clarify that but the old edition is still running for very expensive compared to the new one so that would be the price point would price point wouldn't make sense with the older convention edition then why are they calling it the same thing because <laughs> wizards likes to confuse us Oh my god, that makes this so much worse. I thought you were getting, like, the box that was ridiculous before. Yeah, and so the cards still have most of the playtest cards in them, but they have the list symbol on the bottom They have the left. symbol, so yeah. Oh no. less. Oh no, forget this. Like, that virtual ticket better be a ticket to, like, $100 being sent back to me. No, no, no. What keep, we... keep, in mind, keep in mind that your, your misunderstanding doesn't actually change the value of the, pa- the package, because we always knew it was this one. And there's only 27 listings left of those boxes, and they have sold, as of August 6th, two boxes sold for $258.99, and the festival in the box is $269. So this still looks like a, a deal. Like, this isn't the best of the two convention edition boxes, but these boxes still go for money. And the way I look at it is the box, the mystery booster box, the secret layer, the arcane signet, and the play mats are likely to end up worth more by 50 to $100 versus the price of the festival in a box. So I would imagine that you may end up selling a full set festival in a box with this list of things in it that you haven't touched for say 350 plus on eBay at some point or TCG player. I suppose so. Like I abhor the thought of like trying to part this out and uh, get my, my value back. Like how many people are going to be trying to dump these booster boxes immediately after? Yeah. I think that'll be a short term thing for sure. The, the other thing to keep in mind here is the two play mats are nowhere near as sexy as they were for the 25th. The 25th, right. uh, there was a chromed out lo- black Lotus play mat that was going for quite a lot of money. If I'm not mistaken, it was a couple hundred bucks plus. Um, I remember uh, us talking about that in Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was, there was another play mat that had a bunch of art from magic's the, history uh, yeah like the um the mosaic it was like a mosaic of a bunch of cards correct and that that playmat also goes for money these two do not look like they're going to and there was commentary in the discord today talking about how this just looks like dominaria united art that they were going to put on an ultra pro playmat anyway and i don't know i just <laughs> if it was me in charge of this project i would have pushed real hard to do something special like truly special this looks very 
like take a bunch of stuff we've already commissioned and throw it all together in a box whereas at least one of these things should have been something very very special and i think like the arcane signet foil etch is cool but it's not it doesn't writ it's not writ large it's not like doesn't feel like enough for a 30th anniversary of the game kind of situation and i don't know why it is that wizards doesn't really take their anniversaries seriously i think they're very good opportunities to shove the you know shove a bunch of stuff in the whale's mouth well the um the secret layer the the, the little geary uh it doesn't even have like 30th uh symbols on it like it just feels like a secret layer they're they're making exclusive to the festival in a box and to people who are there like they're trying to do something really unique with a pretty mediocre selection of cards the only thing that's really unique here is the arcane signet yep i i did find some information on the virtual ticket that i missed on first pass so it looks like it is an entry to a cube ish style uh, draft on both magic arena and magic online and then access to a couple virtual events including q a with richard garfield uh, q a with mark rosewater and um, access to a merch store that has some fine M30 products. Um, so pretty pretty limited value EV boost. That's interesting, though, because it insinuates that you're going to buy it during that weekend, use that part right away via digital code they give you as part of the receipt, kind of like we get the sleeves codes right away for secret layers a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to get a physical box in the mail, which you could potentially resell. So you could look at those drafts as being free. Yeah, once you crack the ticket, it's it's all yours. Now, for people that are attending, there there are there's a bunch of other uh, tiers that they're trying to sell for the in person attendees. But I'm only going to focus on the the highest ranked one, the Black Lotus VIP. In this case, you get four of the Arcane Signet. A badge for the whole weekend. You get the Richard Garfield promo card. You get two mystery boosters, three Dominaria United collector boosters. So that's about 60 bucks. Um, you get three Commander Legends 2020 draft boosters. Those are not worth very much money. You get two Modern Horizons draft boosters. Okay, that's another $14 or so. Uh, four of the Soul Ring foils, five bucks each or something. The Commander playmat, the Magic 30 playmat, deck box and sleeves, the Secret Layer. A Timbuktu Planeswalker backpack. That could be worth money down the road because it's only available in that tier. In this package. Yes, in that yeah. tier. So that, that backpack could sell on the Magic Accessories group on Facebook for, I don't know, 50 or 100 bucks or something down the road. Um, and then you have an exclusive Friday Night Infinity event with Mark Rosewater. That might be cool. Depends on how much you value that kind of thing. Command Zone All Access, complimentary event to one Crimson Anniversary Night Party, access to the VIP lounge. Now, on the, these last two, people might go, ooh, I get to like hang out with Wizards folk. Let me tell you how that will actually go based on my father's experience in Vegas when we were there with him, Cliff. When you and I, <laughs> when you and I went back to rest, he went to some party like this that had been hyped up and overcharged and said it was just the biggest the lamest thing ever because the wizards people were all there wasn't that many people period because they didn't invite that many people to it wasn't easy to find wasn't particularly well set up or well funded 
the wizards people tended to cluster in their work groups and just talk to each other. And then the quote-unquote guests were just kind of like sitting on couches and chairs eating like from snacks from the buffet. And my dad said he did about 30 minutes of that and then just got bored and left. Well, doesn't that sound delightful? That, that, that tracks exactly with what we've been talking about with like they didn't put together a good 30th event package of stuff. And I don't have a lot of faith in their ability to throw a party either. Yeah, if you're expecting to, like, Post Malone and his crew to roll through and start off, kick off some massive <laughs> super party, like, I wouldn't hold your breath. Now, and the other thing about all this is monkeypox is very is is on the rise, right? Like, we're at thousands of cases in the U.S. And it tripled, total number of cases tripled in three days or something. So late October could very well be a monkeypox plague in full effect or just a new wave of covid you know boring old covid um or something else entirely or both so i have in terms of your earlier comment about would i go to vegas i have zero intention of going to this especially given that this looks entirely mediocre um the one thing that's exclusive to the super package is the planeswalker backpack and the question i have is will this be available anywhere else because, like, it's not listed in any of the packages, but there's going to be, like, 10% off on exclu- event-exclusive merch. So are they going to hope that these events are going to carry over, you know, enough value for you to drop an extra $350 to get this backpack and that um, those events? I am doubtful. And, well, and that's like, the other thing. It's, it's so expensive at a time where we may be heading into or in a recession in north america how many people are going to pony up the 700 and the less people that do it the smaller that party is and the lamer it will be i'm also actually looking at the details right here this is the crimson anniversary party isn't just a random party it is apparently celebration of the one-year anniversary of edgar markov and olivia voldaren guests will journey to innistrad to revel and celebrate this adorable definitely in love couple come in costume if you wish etc 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 do you really think that people are going to Vegas and bringing their, their vampire Innistrad cosplay? There's going to be like 12 people that do that. Everyone else is going to be standing around awkwardly in their normal clothes. <laughs> and they'll probably have like Christine Sprankle show up as Olivia Voldaren or something. Like, no, I can, I can pass on all that. Thanks. Oko, what were you going to say? Oh no, I've I've just listened in, but yeah, I'm in the same boat. I, I you know I'm somebody that likes big events. I like something splashy, and this just doesn't do it for me. There's, you know, nothing. I think the only thing I think I did see there was a beta draft, or is, is that was that only last year? There's no, there's a uh, Rochester beta yeah. draft uh, thing going on where you have to win uh, one of the entry events. Right. You have to be in the top eight of the uh, four entry events. Then it's a single elimination 32 round to get down to eight. And those eight are going to beta draft, uh, are going to Rochester draft beta packs. Yeah. That, and this is, I was going to say that, that interests me. I know it did, they did it last year or, you know, one of the last Vegas, uh, probably yeah, I guess Vegas. It was a while ago, but, uh, that interests me, but you know, it's a kind of a, a sad sight when you get to the final end and you have to do a Rochester draft because <laughs> it is beta, but, uh, that would be fun to open. I mean, that's a one, that's a once in a lifetime experience that only this offers other than that. I mean, the whole program, I'd rather go to an, an SCG event, you know, 60 minutes from my home. I'd have more fun. 
Yeah, at the last Vegas, I think for the 25th, I was standing there watching those drafts, the the beta. I remember that, draft, yeah. And uh, it was super cool. Don't get me wrong. That's super, super cool. But eight people are going to make it that far. So, you know, plan your weekend around not making it to that draft. Yeah, so there's um, two Friday afternoon qualifiers and then uh, 11 a.m. Saturday and 2 p.m. Saturday. And each one of those is capped at 224. So, you know, they're all uh, modern. So this is a real event. They're going to push. This is modern. This is not even Pioneer. And I I think that anytime you can do, like, something sweet and try and recapture the magic of the first time they did that in Vegas, where there were eight events and the eight winners got to, like, uh, I think it was an open Rochester draft of um, beta that first time, too. Because they had the person with the white gloves and everybody was watching and like, are we going to get some dual land? Are we going to get some power? You know, and it was really awesome if you wanted to uh, just watch everybody. And then they, um, I think the top two decided they were going to split the alpha starter. They just sold it off and split the money. Yeah, I think somebody, they also threw some packs into the crowd. So that might actually be the best advice we could give is if you're on site, do go watch the draft. A, it's a piece of magic history. B... Last time they threw like antiquities packs into the crowd and stuff, and somebody opened a <laughs> somebody opened a workshop for zero, which seems like solid value. Um, the the prizes are uh, interesting, but for your draft, first place is one beta booster, and then second through fourth get Arabian's Knights, fifth through eighth get one antiquities and one English Legends booster. So that's um, pretty cool. That that's that's something, all right. Get those packs graded. Alrighty. Anybody have any further commentary on this? Uh, Just that they are requiring uh, proof of vaccination, and they're saying masks are are going to be required. So they're at least doing that. I do have have applause for that. Uh, Keep in mind that all those people are going to be on planes without masks and then wandering around Vegas without masks. So you're going to want a good, very high-quality mask if you're participating. (laughs) Because considering that like it, it there's so many places that are are just like strongly recommending like if they're actually on you know not letting people in who aren't doing the thing properly you know bravo thank goodness it's the least you can do for something like this yeah agreed all right uh i think that's pretty much a wrap for this week and a wrap for our weekly time with cliff so again huge thanks to cliff daigle partner in crime for hanging out with us here these past months and hopefully we'll have him on again soon as his schedule permits and starting next week it will be me and Derek the Dark Mage Oko Assassin leading the charge on your weekly dose of MTG Fast Finance where can people find you online Cliff? You can find me online at Word of Commander as well as my Friday articles on mtgprice.com And what about you Derek? You can find me online at Oko Assassin on Twitter and my weekly articles on Monday on ntgprice.com all right you guys can find me online at mtg critic as well as haunting the pro trader discord on a regular basis also like to remind our listeners to check out the mtgprice.com pro trader service for just 9.99 a month or 109.99 per year you can get early access to this podcast fantastic articles by the best mtg finance minds in the business low-cost group buys, and a super active Discord forum that will drive better returns and save you money playing Magic the Gathering.
Once again, MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool, nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Don't forget to use the promo code FINANCE5, that's FINANCE with the number 5, during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Oh, I can't wait to go grade some stuff, you guys. Thanks for taking the load <laughs> off me. Thank you, Cliff. Thank you, Derek. And we will see you all next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance.